Welcome to the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch is joined by Carol Foos with OJM Group. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. We have, um, fittingly, on tax day, um, the incredibly knowledgeable Carol Foos with OJM Group in Cleveland. Um, Carol has had over 25 years of experience in accounting. Uh, OJM Group is a, is a resource that, that, that we've used. You've been speakers at, uh, at some of our events. Um, we're very lucky to have you. You focus on tax planning, um, taxes, wealth management, things like that. You've got a wealth of experience. You've written some books. Um, you also wrote an article for us that was on our, our website, which anyone listening can find by going to our website and going to the AmSpot Now blog. But Carol, thank you so much for, for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, April 15th, tax day. Like, we we had to reschedule this, and this is the day we picked, so it's totally appropriate. I'm surprised that you're, like, not um, being fed oxygen, and and I always have this. (laughs) this. I have big bags under my eyes, you know why. (laughs) So it's, hopefully, hopefully I'm small on everybody's screen. If they're, no, uh, no, no, no. It's um, so, you know, taxes are, I mean, let's be honest. You, 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 most accountants are people are, are people that that are resources that people just don't like to talk to very much. Kind of like lawyers. You know, it's just it's it's not on their, you know, their their. The, the top rung of people they look to talk to. Um, and, and taxes, you know, I'm a business owner, and, and for me, taxes are, you know, they're kind of a necessary evil. Obviously, I don't like to, to do taxes. I don't like to pay taxes. Nobody does. But as you become a business owner and as kind of you get a little more experience, it's something you start to learn how to plan for and just kind of incorporate into your daily life. Um, I would imagine, though, in this day and age with, you know, you have a change of administration, so you have new tax laws coming on, you have the pandemic and all these emergency tax issues coming in. I mean, the past year, 18 months, two years has probably just been bonkers for you. Is that right? <laughs> it really has been. And as you said, it just seems like new laws coming out, you know, every few months. So yeah. it is constantly changing. You know, in that regard, I would say I agree with you most, you know, most business owners aren't tax experts and right. we don't expect them to be, right? right. Um, that being said, because of all the new laws over the past year and some of which are very advantageous for business owners, it really is great if you have a good relationship with your CPA. Right. I think a lot of people hesitate to call their CPA, ask them questions, right? Because most, most CPAs bill based on their time. Right. However, for things like this, where there are credits out there that you might not be taking advantage of if you don't know about them or you don't really understand them, it probably is money well spent. I mean, yeah. I'm biased, but still. No, no, it, it, you're, you're absolutely right. And especially this year um, with the, the, the changes that came in, let's just talk kind of generally 2021. And, and, and you know, again, I mentioned this before we got started. Talk to me like I'm a, a relatively smart Labrador puppy um, because this is just not my, my, my main area of expertise. But as we go into um, 2021, and so we're, we're, we're going to be paying 2020 taxes either today if, uh, if you're a business or if you're an individual, it's been extended. But then also people get extensions and things like that. What are some right. of the things with the, that, that like 
you know, w- w- when you sit down with a new client and start talking about taxes for 2020 and the new tax laws that have come into place, what are the, the, the three, three things that you, that you mentioned right off the bat that are the most important we should be thinking about? So I think in terms of looking back at 2020 and the pandemic, you know, a really big possible credit for taxpayers this year for business owners is the employee retention credit, which is a credit of Social Security taxes if you had a drop in your revenue because of the pandemic. Um, And it was for you know, from March of 2020, and they've extended it all the way through June of 2021. Um, It just became kind of more favorable with the act that passed right at the end of 2020 and the end of December, the Consolidated Appropriations Act. So that's a big one that I think people maybe don't don't quite understand it because it's complicated. It it is uh, a lot of businesses are eligible for it because right. they had reduced revenue for a single quarter in 2020 even. So that's a big one. Um, you know, the other thing that I talk to clients about now really is obviously we've got a new administration. We've got a new Congress, right? Um, right. President Biden kind of set out during the campaign what his tax proposals would be now they were somewhat vague. You know, there are some things in there. It's like, okay, well, what's he mean by this? But I think in looking at that and thinking that, you know, he probably is going to want to get that through Congress at some point in the next two years, I presume. Right. Um, It's kind of understanding what's out there, how that might affect you and how can you plan for that? Right. And so there's a couple of things I want to I want to dig into a little bit. First of all, the 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 retention credit that you talked about. I was reading your uh, some of your articles on that and and, and doing a little bit of, of additional research on it because um, there is a re- there's some relation to the PPP loans that were taken. My understanding was before you had to choose either the credit or the PPP loan, um, which is forgivable. the The law has changed now, though. So even if you have taken the PPP loan and, and many of the, the businesses in our industry did, and it was a lifesaver because we, you know, med spas, unlike some businesses were, you know, close to physically, cl- they, they had to close their physical space where we were retail right. centers. I mean, we were closed for two to three months um, with no, hardly any business coming in. What's the, um, what is the new uh, provisions with respect to the credit, because with, with, with the credit, you are able to take um, for for employees that you that you retained, right? You kept employed during the the pandemic. Correct. You get a credit for that, and th- and that can actually add up because you know you're talking about five thousand dollars, I think, per per employee times ten twenty employees. That 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 adds up pretty quickly. Right. That's exactly right. So when the, when it originally passed under the CARES Act last March, they said exactly what you said. You can either take a PPP loan or you can get the employer retention credit. You can't do both. Right. The law that passed at the end of December said you actually can take advantage of both. What you can't do is essentially use the same wages for both. So you can't have paid the employees through the proceeds of the PPP loan that are going to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. But then on those wages that you didn't really pay, right? The government right. kind of paid, right? You can't take the credit on those, but as an example, right? They expanded that PPP loan period. If you be- remember back, it changed oh so many times right. last year, but right. 
It was originally an eight week period. Then they expanded it to 24 weeks that you could spend the funds. Right. So let's just think about that. If you had a quarter, for instance, the second quarter of 2020, Mm -hmm. where your revenue dropped 50% over what it had been the second quarter of 2019, you're eligible for the employee retention credit. As you said, that's up to wages of $10,000 per employee, and it's a 50% credit. So it's effectively worth $5,000 per employee. Right. Okay. Now, you could take that credit for the wages you paid them in the second quarter. You might then use your PPP proceeds to pay them in the third quarter and or part of the fourth quarter because it's still during your 24-week period of that PPP loan that you were allowed to spend the money. Right. Okay. Yep. So that's one thought. They also then now have extended that employee retention credit period of time all the way through June of 21. And it got even better because for 2021, your revenue only has to have dropped 20% mm-hmm. again from kind of the corresponding quarter in 2019. Mm-hmm. So if it was 100,000 the first quarter of 2019 and it was only 80,000 the first quarter of 2021, you qualify. Mm-hmm. They increased the credit from 50% up to 70%. Mm-hmm. And now instead of $10,000 total for 2021, it's actually $10,000 per quarter per employee. Really? Okay. So you know, for, for the first six months of 2021, if you qualify because of a drop in revenue, you can get a credit equivalent to $14,000 per employee. Right. And so that uh, money, that's re- literally coming off the top of your kind of taxable income, right? Yeah, it's coming off. It's kind of dollar for dollar, yes. Yeah. And it's a credit that can be applied for on your Form 941, which is the for those who use a CPA and probably aren't familiar with the form numbers, that's the form you file to pay the Social Security taxes and Medicare taxes that you withhold from your employees and that you as the employer are responsible for. Right, right. No, I mean, so it seems like hearing you talk, I, I, we have an accountant, we've been using an accountant for, for a long time, but it, you know, there are a lot of folks out there who are sole proprietors, right. Who are, uh, or just, you know, single owners, small business. They've got a, a small shop. A lot of times they're doing, they're using H and R block or whatever it is just to kind of get their, um, taxes in. Um, but hearing you talk in, in, in reading through some of the, the, the information that I, that I read through, it, it just, it, to me, it really drives home the importance of building that relationship with a knowledgeable accountant who does taxes for businesses, because there are a lot of them who do taxes for individuals. But once you get into the business aspect of it, especially in the last year, it's talk about just the, maybe the differences, you know, accountants that focus on business and that know this kind of thing. And, and how do you go about, um, for someone who's listening for the first time and say, I need to get an accountant. Like, how do you go about finding one that's qualified and, and, and can help you if that makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think you're absolutely right. You know, just like in the medical field, you have different specialties. You know, CPAs kind of have, to some extent, some niche practices where some only, you know, for the most part, do individuals, some only do businesses, some do a combination, or maybe you go to a little bit bigger firm that's got some experts in both areas. Um, in terms of finding someone, you know, I think a few things, one, 
as kind of an industry, right? You go to your industry experts, your um, your membership organizations, right. and talk to other members. Hey, who do you use? If, if you know some similar business owners in your area, certainly, who do you use? Do you like them? Do they give you good advice? Do they return your phone calls? You know, I can't tell you in my business what I do at OJM, right, is as clients go through our financial planning process, I review their tax returns and give them tax planning ideas. Mm-hmm. I do come across returns that I'm like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I can't believe an accountant, you know, prepared this and yeah. you filed it this way. So you do have to ask. And I hear clients all the time say, you know, I don't get any answers from my CPA or they don't give me any ideas. Right. right. So. Asking your friends and your colleagues is a really good way. And I think another thing to do is kind of interview an accountant when you're looking for a new accountant. Ask them questions. What's your policy on returning calls and emails? How do you bill for that? How many similar businesses at my size do you do? Mm -hmm. Because the other thing you don't want is, you know, you don't need somebody who's got a lot of huge billion dollar businesses that they do and you're somewhat of a you know right. a smaller business or a mom and pop shop who what you're paying that CPA might put you lower on their priority list and I'm not saying that that's how every CPA operates but you know how that goes you kind of yeah. want somebody who specializes with smaller business owners who are going to know the ins and outs of what you know and what you don't know right. and be able to bring things up to you that you might not know. You know, and you, you raised something interesting that, that kind of caught my attention because I've, I, I've dealt with this and I've talked to others who, who have dealt with this, which is um, like, what's the, the role of the CPA? Because in, in, I, I think what people often want is they want that person to sit down and really guide them and advise them not only on their current tax return that has to be filed, but also how they set things up, how they prepare for things. And what I have found in my experience, just kind of through going through the process is, you know, there's a difference between CPAs who are there to just kind of file taxes up, you get them on file. And then um, business tax advisors, like you mentioned tax advising, which is a whole different thing. And I I feel like people often get a little frustrated with their accountants because they're like, they're not giving me, they're not advising me and giving me ideas on how to lower my taxes. All they're doing is just kind of getting it done. Um, Do you hear that a lot? And, And what's your response? I do hear it all the time. And I will say to some extent in defense of my profession, yeah. right? When you, if you are only talking to your accountant for the most part at this time of the year, right? this is the worst time to expect an accountant to give you good business advice, right? They kind of are these couple of months of the year in the spring, just trying to churn out tax returns and get them finished, right? Right. They're at yep. their most yeah. exhausted, they're at their yeah. most frustrated probably. I think the key to that is to really have an open mind about meeting with your accountant throughout the year. And again, this is where it comes in to ask somebody if you're looking for a new accountant, are you open to that? Hey, I'd like to meet with you quarterly for lunch, for coffee, for whatever, just to sort of update you. I think the, the hardest part about being a CPA and being able to properly advise your clients is sometimes you have no idea. You might have a client come to you like, oh, hey, yeah, I sold 60% of the company last year. Here's the form. And you as the CPA are like, 
what do you mean? You didn't even call me? (laughs) So there's a little bit of give and take. I do tell clients all the time also, you know, you should, your accountant certainly should be reaching out to you, but you should also reach out to them, call it in the fall. Hey, I'd like to get together for a year end planning meeting. Right. That's more the time where your CPA has the time to kind of look things over, take a step back, look at the big picture and give you some ideas about what else you can be doing. Now, if if you as a client are doing those things and you're still not getting anything from your CPA, then you might be with the wrong person. Yeah, it's I think that's exceptional advice. And it's it's so true because the more. And I've just found, again, from experience, like it just, you know, in some ways you have to live through it as a business owner and kind of figure it out. But you're absolutely right. The more time that you put into structuring and planning for future years of taxes, the more you can save. And so the, 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 the more that the, the, the CPA can, can actually help you. What's, what's the, the one, like, what's the most frustrating thing that you deal with with clients? Like when you're back by the coffee maker with your other CPAs, you're like, oh man, I got another one who did this. Like what's the one thing that just drives you crazy that clients do? I mean, I would tell you, <laughs> it is funny because I just had this conversation yesterday. <laughs> um, clients who, you know, for instance, you've got questions on the information they sent you, right? Mm-hmm. You ask them the questions via email, via phone call, via whatever, and they totally ignore them. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they just don't get back to you. And especially, right. right, as you said, it's April 15th. So we're at April 13th and I'm talking to a couple clients like, I need this. I need yep. an estimate of it. I need something, right? right. Um, I think that and, you know, what I will tell you in my experience and my opinion is you get the best work from your accountant, kind of the more organized you are and the more timely you are. Mm -hmm. Because again, right, when you're getting your accountant things on April 11th, 12th, 13th, they're tired, they're stressed, they are incredibly busy trying to get everything out. That's where mistakes can happen. And I'm not excusing that, but that's the facts of life. Yeah. So to the extent, even if, you know, if you're, a business owner and maybe you've got another another accountant who that you get a schedule K1 from another business that you own. Don't wait and give your CPA all of the information because you're waiting for that one K1. Give them what you've got earlier. They can drop the numbers in from that K1. That's a lot easier fix for a CPA than getting the whole bundle, you know, five days before the due date. Right. So right. that's probably my biggest frustration on April 15th. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the flip side of that be is the, the would be the, the, what are you know your best clients? What, what do they do that, that, that kind of sets them apart and makes it better? And I guess the corollary to that is, does that end up saving those clients money in the long run? Right. And so, yes, I would say my best clients truly, because you know what, most CPAs actually preparing the tax returns that's not what we love. It's just something yeah. we have to do, right? right? Yep. I think most people that remain in public accounting through their careers, what they like is being an advisor to their clients. Yeah. So they like the clients who are calling them, who are talking to them, who are coming to them before they're doing a deal or before they're buying or selling a business and saying, hey, take a look at this agreement. What's the best way to structure it? to save me taxes or what puts me in the best position. 
because that's a fun part of the job for most CPAs. And that's going to give the clients the best opportunity to do that. You know, you've got a CPA who's seen a ton of Mm -hmm. purchase agreements, sales agreements. They can give you some good ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think even just working with a business owner on their financials, on talking to them about, hey, have you looked at this? This expense seems high or this seems out of line. Mm -hmm. You know, can we look at it? So to me, that's the fun part of the job is kind of being able to do that. You get to see a lot of different businesses. You get to use your experience that you've had with other businesses to help your clients. Um, And I do think that's the best, you know, and that builds that relationship with your CPA so that then I think they are thinking about you when an idea or they see something that another client's done, they go, Hey, yeah. I think that might work for this client as well. Yeah. And it's, um, especially with the changing landscape, one thing, you know, we've got a new, so we have a new administration. So, a, a new president, um, th- one thing I've been I've been hearing is and again not to not to listen to the media because there's there's hysteria on on all sides but with um, the, the the idea that all of a sudden taxes are going to go way up there's what well, you know what can we do now like I heard this from from one person recently like you know we're going to have fifty percent capital gains tax in in two years like what do you do to prepare for the kind of changing landscape and how much should we as business owners be reacting to that right now? Or is that something we just kind of say, all right, whatever happens, happens. Like how how do we deal with that? I mean, I think you definitely, right. You want to be thinking about it ahead of time. The reality is what's proposed in a campaign and what's written about, you know, it has to pass both both houses of Congress, right? right? What ultimately comes out, who knows? That being said, I think it's a good thing. It does, it certainly causes people stress, right? Mm -hmm. If I've got a business and I think in the next few years I might be selling it and have huge capital gains and I'm looking at, wow, my income might be over a million dollars that year or maybe it already is. And if I have to pay 39.6% capital gains tax versus 20%, that's an enormous cut out of what Mm -hmm. I'm going to get. So again, I think talking to a professional about that and thinking about, okay, what should, you know, what can I do? Like, for instance, things you can do in that situation, maybe you can structure your sale so that it's an installment sale and you're not getting all the money in a single year. Right. So, you know, that might help you keep that income a little bit lower, stay below that threshold. Obviously, for something like that, it's thinking about Do I have other capital losses? Should I kind of sit on them until I'm going to sell this business and then realize those at the same time to bring my income down? Um, I think talking through some of those things with, because again, your accountant has probably talked to lots of clients about it. They've read a lot of articles. You know, we have to do 40 hours of continuing education year in and year out. So they've probably gone to a lot of seminars that are talking about these tax proposals and, what are some ways to, you know, alleviate some of the pain of them? Right. Um, I think that alleviates the stress on an individual business owner or just an individual taxpayer as well, just understanding it a little better. Yeah, it's 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 tough because we're kind of operating uh, at a disadvantage and just that we don't know, you know, what this all means. But you hear, you know, like, for instance, uh, I, I was reading something about um, – 
recently the what they're calling you know that that uh, the Biden administration was going to raise the corporate tax rate right um and you know what's the impact of that and maybe they were to compromise and it would be 28 or 27 what's i mean how much of a of a practical impact does that kind of change have on 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 med spa owners and business owners as as we move forward so for that right it's all, it's only um we're only talking about businesses taxed to C corporations. Right. Okay. If you think back prior to the two, 2017 Tax Act, most med spas were taxed as personal service corporations, meaning they had a flat 35% tax rate. Mm-hmm. So we're still under what we were at that point. If you are a C corporation, there are ways to reduce your corporate income taxes, especially if you're a smaller med spa with only a few owners, right? You can pay yourself um, more in W-2 wages, pay yourself bonuses as long as it's reasonable. So I think, you know, a lot of people will look to do more into a qualified retirement plan to get a deduction, again, to bring that corporate income down. Mm -hmm. It becomes a... You know, I'm talking about a a six to seven percent change in the tax rate. So what's my corporate net taxable income that I'm looking at and Mm -hmm. how do I reduce that to make that seven percent number even smaller? That's why we have folks like you to figure all this stuff around. (laughs) Right. That's why any change in tax law is just job security for CPAs, right? I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's it's mind boggling. You know, speaking of uh, changes to the tax law, one thing that I've heard people to be very excited about is the full business uh, meal deduction, um, which is now at a hundred percent. And it used to be, I think what 50% was it before 50%. They changed it to a hundred kind of a pandemic change, I right. think to help, help the restaurant industry to I've, some extent. I've been yes, hearing it has to so be much at a restaurant or food from a restaurant. Okay. Right? Yeah, no, I've been hearing some of the folks have been like, Oh, we got to go out to dinner. Let's do more stuff. <laughs> what is, talk about what that is because, and, and, and just generally the, from that, um, one of the things that I've seen just from my own friends um, uh, who I, you know, having had my own business and, and, and they don't necessarily do um, just the ability to be tracking and 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 understanding what is a, a deductible expense, a business expense versus what's not. So so when it comes to this this 100 percent meal deduction, which, you know, is not insignificant, because now if you're going to go out to eat with and, and it, but do you have to actually have a business lunch where you have a suit and tie and you have an agenda or can it be, you know, hey, we talk about the business for five minutes, 10 minutes at the beginning and then we go on and have a couple cocktails and, you know, talk about the Cubs. I mean, typically, so that 100% deduction is for 2021 and 2022. Okay. That's when it's in effect. Okay. And then the it's sort of, it's, you can deduct 100% of food and beverages as long as they are provided by a restaurant. So presumably, okay. right, either you're eating out or you've got a restaurant bringing food in to the office. Okay. Um, so... Do you have to talk about business? Yes. I mean, it can't be, hey, my friends and I are going out. We're just hanging out, talking about basketball, whatever. Um, Certainly with any business meal, right, there's going to be some non-business discussion. But typically what they would look at is the primary purpose has to be business. Like I'm going to go meet with my colleague who's another 
med spa owner and we're going to talk about mm-hmm. how are you handling, you know, whatever. Right. This new product. Have you, you know, looked at this new procedure? Do you have anybody doing this in your, in your spa? Um, or it might be, I'm taking the employees out. I'm, you know, taking a prospective employee out, whatever. Right. So right. again, it doesn't mean every minute of the meal has to be business conversation, but there does have to be a business purpose to it. Gotcha. And as far as, um, record keeping, I always, this is something I've, I've done in the past and I always see, I can always tell when someone has a, uh, is having a business meeting cause you see them scribbling something on the receipt. Yes. Like what's the, <laughs> what do you need receipt, to do right? to, 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 to keep records of this so that you can actually monetize those deduct, not monetize, but actually capture those deductions when they, when they come. Right. So either in your, you know, again, right now, right. Everybody's kind of got their calendar on their computer somewhere Right. in that calendar event where you have, you can either type in the notes section discussed A, B, C, and D Right. or on the receipt, you know, pretty much on the receipt. It is a good idea or somewhere to jot down, even again, in your calendar went to, you know, X, Y, Z restaurant with this person. Right. Just so you've got some, that's the kind of stuff the IRS is going to look to. Who were you with? What'd you talk about? Right. Right. Um, I mean, this is great. This is great information, um, which is why I ordered food for this particular conversation with you. So the entire um, the entire meal will be deducted. Uh, um, but, you know, it, it, kind of a corollary to that. What if you have a business with your spouse or a business partner who you are friends with and you just happen to go out. And again, I'm not trying to put too much on this because I know it's, it's, it's in the grand scheme of deductions. It's not, you know, necessarily the, 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 the largest one, but it's definitely one that people can wrap their minds around, um, right. a lot easier. Um, right. can you count some of those? Like if you go, if you, if, if, if you've got a, a spouse. Yeah. So what I tell clients is right don't try to, if you're, if you and your spouse are in business together, your business partners, whatever, don't try to deduct every weekend meal that you go out as a business expense. That's not going to (laughs) fly. However, can you sometimes go out and say, yes, you know, because we left work, we still had things to talk about. We're going to write this off as the business, or we were talking about this employee who's driving us crazy or this employee who we thinks we should give a raise to. So I would tell you in those situations, I would probably advise that you're a little more um, cognizant of writing down somewhere what you talked about that was business related. Right, right. Because if, again, on an audit, if they're just looking at you and your spouse or you and your your best friend, not that the IRS necessarily going to know that, but, you know, (laughs) that you've got, hey, we were there to talk about this. Man, I was hoping you would say yes, everything. Yes, every meal. Groceries, <laughs> Groceries everything. from Jewel, from <laughs> Meyer. Um so okay, first of all, this is this has been great. We've been talking for for a half hour. I don't want to go I, I don't want to go too long on on taxes because there's people that are driving and we don't want them to fall asleep and, and drive into the median. But with that said, what um is there like we, we we talked about the ideal client. If a, a lot of the folks that listen to this are are small businesses, they're startups, or they're getting ready to open. Um, when it comes to preparing, as far as like software, you know, most people are doing this on 
spreadsheets and things like that. We we use QuickBooks Online, and there's, uh, but um, is is there something like from an infrastructure standpoint that, that 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 you can recommend that people should start thinking about if they've just opened a business and they maybe haven't done this yet or they're getting ready to that can really get them prepared to take some of the pressure off as they uh, as they grow their business. So I think a couple of things for somebody just opening a business. One, I personally think a QuickBooks or something similar will make your life very much easier. You know, that's an easy thing to use. It's an easy thing to give a copy of the software file to your CPA. They can go in and make any adjustments they need. So that's easy. If you don't want to invest the money to buy, you know, a copy of QuickBooks, an Excel spreadsheet, it it really is just about being organized and Mm -hmm. kind of keeping in mind the more that you can do and the more organized that you can be, the less your bill with your CPA is going to be because they'll have to spend less time on it. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would always tell a client to do who's starting a new business is get a, you know, a separate business bank account right. so that it's easily identifiable what are the business expenses and a separate credit card for your business. Right, right. Particularly a credit card that gives you a year-end summary is great where you yeah. can really see every category of expenses and what they were. And business credit cards are great. It's like they're, it's like free money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what about um, using a, a, a separate bookkeeper or one of the online bookkeeping so, or, or I'll, I'll, I get emails from, you know, outsourced bookkeeping um, online companies. Uh, how do those work? And what's the, what's the, what's the point there? You know, I think if you or someone within your organization or your spouse or somebody is not comfortable with kind of the numbers end of it, then I think that is a very good, again, kind of a good expenditure of money because a bookkeeper costs are going to be less expensive on an hourly basis than Mm -hmm. your accountant's cost, right? Right. So better to have them spend the time kind of getting you organized or put inputting data and having your accountant do it. The one thing I will say on that, cause I'm really big on that is you or someone that you trust unequivocally needs to be keeping an eye on it. So yeah. kind of don't give any outside person, the keys to the kingdom without oversight. Right. Right. So um, before we wrap up, what is, is there anything else that you that you can think of that that, that folks should be thinking about in, in with respect to the changing landscape of the, of the of the tax code and the new administration? What, what, is there anything else that that we've missed that I want to make sure folks, you know, l- hear f- from you? So, you know, just keep in mind those again, those tax cuts that passed in 2017 as they relate to individuals were mm. temporary. So even if nothing passes under President Biden's administration, changes will be coming January of 2026 in terms of back to the old tax rates, a little bit of an increase. Also, importantly, Mm -hmm. at that time or if a Biden tax proposal passes, the estate tax exemption will dramatically change from, you know, we're talking probably 11.7 million today for an individual down to probably three and a half million for an individual. So if people are, for instance, meeting with their attorneys to redo their wills because they have a new child or for whatever reason, that's another thing to talk to your attorney about and be thinking about that in the landscape. I'm not saying go out and give everything away today or go change, make Mm -hmm. massive changes, 
but know that that's likely to change and be thinking about that in terms of your business and business succession planning and wills and things like that. And that's the, the, the estate tax. That's the, the tax on the amount of money that, 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 you've, that flows to your, your, your beneficiary or your descendants when you, if you, when you pass. Correct. Okay. That the value of your estate right. when you die. No. And that's a, I mean, that, that, that's a big issue as businesses mature and people generate more wealth. Um, and there are a lot of things, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't want to speak out of turn here, but just from talking to, to my advisors and, my, and accountants, there are a lot of things that you can do to kind of minimize that, that, that impact once the rate goes up. So it's, it's definitely something to consider. Um, when should people really start thinking about that? Like the kind of the estate tax and, and, and things like that? You know, so with an estate tax issue, kind of the, the problem to some extent is to get it out of your state, you have to a state, you have to give it away, right? right. Yeah. So when you're younger, you don't really want to do that. But there are things you can set up again, as you're doing your wills, you can set up trusts that would right. fund upon your death and things like that. Yep. Because again, three and a half million dollars, you know, you own a house, um, you've got a business maybe that sells, you've got some investments, retirement plan. Yeah. That's yeah. you can get there pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Carol, this has been been awesome. I appreciate you breaking it down um, for me to the level that you did, um, which is much appreciated. Where can folks um, find you, and what? Uh, just just give me a little bit of background about what you what you do, and 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 how you can help our help our listeners. Absolutely. So, I am a partner at OJM Group, and our website is www.ojm group.com. Mm-hmm. And we do have a lot of articles on there, a lot of webinars yeah. on there. People can go and look at that. We also have books um, that they can go and download. And Alex, will have, if we haven't already, we'll have to send you a code so that your listeners can get a free one of our books. You know, yeah, we write absolutely. a lot about wealth planning, yeah. particularly for the medical field. We write about investing. Um, so we'd love for you to use those resources. And if you need additional help with your finances, we do also do um, initial consults for free. If somebody wants to reach out to us and say, hey, this is what I think I need, and, and we can talk about whether we might be able to help them with that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you, and you, you do have a ton of great resources. I've known um, Dave Mandel for a, a long time. He was one of the first people that I met in this industry, I think, because... I'm a, I was an attorney talking about dorky legal stuff, and he was talking about the financial stuff at one of these conferences. We kind of gravitated, gravitated towards each other. You do have a ton of resources. I encourage folks to go to your le- website and, and check it out because um, there's a lot of good stuff on there. Thank you, Carol, for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, we'll have to have you back. Maybe next time we'll do it. Maybe like in the in the middle of the year, so you're not quite. You there know, you go. So. Or at least maybe April sixteenth. <laughs> April sixteenth. <right? 16th. laughs> All right. Thank you. I appreciate your time so much. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week with the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch was joined by Carol Foos with OJM Group. If you're new with us, we would love to invite you to hit the subscribe button. Click it now so you can get AmSpa content delivered to you each time. Leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode.